Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Cameron Rhodes with the Guided Trip Fly Fishing Podcast, uncensored, of course. Um, been away for a while. I apologize to everybody who was listening. Um, hopefully, you will continue to listen after this. But we went to the Smith River, um, got some buddies this a couple weeks ago, and we headed out to Montana, went to the Smith River, got to float the Smith for um, five days. Fishing wasn't great. Um, but you know, that's the way it goes. We got some, some good time to hang out with friends and family on the boats and, you know, drink some beer and have a good time. Um, I'm trying to rally up the troops and get everybody together who went and do a big podcast about the Smith river and just, you know, talk about our experience a little bit. Um, I'm working on that. So bear with me a little bit, but we are back We're we got some podcasts lined up. We got some ideas lined up. Um, and hopefully we'll be in full force here and we can continue to put them out, you know, as, as much as we possibly can. But, you know, as I've kind of told everybody, it's just, this is a fun thing I'm doing right now and just and going with it. And, you know, if we don't have time, we don't have time, but we'll do the best we can. Um, while we were gone, we did pick up a new sponsor, which I'm very stoked about. I don't know if you saw our Instagram post, but, um, Upslope is now going to help sponsor the show, um, and Upslope Brewery out of Boulder, Colorado, amazing group. Uh, they hold a 1% for Rivers campaign, which is on their craft lager beer. So if you buy a case of craft lager or even a variety pack with craft lager in it, any craft lager can purchase. 1% goes back to Rivers. 1% goes back to um, local Trout Unlimited chapters, um, which is awesome. Um <clears throat> they are helping to conserve, protect, restore North America's cold water fisheries and watersheds. Uh, it's amazing. I'm stoked to be with them. And, you know, it's it's going to be fun to work with them. I appreciate everything they're doing, and that's why, you know, we, we, we've been working on this whole sponsorship thing because it's a great company, and obviously they have beer. Beer's great. I like beer. But I like to, you know, conserve as well. So, um, check out Upslope, buy Upslope Craft Lager. They're awesome. Um, you know, even if you don't buy it, you know, it's up to you, but <laughs> I like it. I, I buy it. It's great beer. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Not going to lie. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, their craft lager is what I call great porch pounder as well. You know, you can, you can drink a fair amount of craft lager. Um, so I want to thank them. That's, it's awesome. I'm glad they're doing it. I'm, I'm stoked to be part of it. Um, I hope they're stoked to be part of it as well. Sounds like it, hopefully. Um, we're still still working with Man Can. If you haven't seen Man Can, Man Cans are awesome. Um, I take them on. I started taking them on the boat. You know, they look like it's a keg-style growler for at-home brewers or even taking it to the brewery and having it filled up. But I either take it on the boat full of water or full of beer. Uh, it's great for water source. You know, it keeps it nice and fresh. It's not going to get gross in there, you know, if you have it in there for a week or so. And you don't have to use water bottles. Again, I, you know, I'm, I'm moving off that path. I, I can't stand to buy, you know, packs of water bottles for clients or anybody. So, using the man cans, just filling up water bottle. It's an awesome product. Checked out. Check out man can man can dot beer. Um, and also, you can follow their Instagram. Amazing partner with us, um, and a great product. So check out man can. Get rid of those plastic water bottles and uh, go fill up your main can at a brewery. Get some craft beer in there. Take it home. Enjoy it. 
Um, so I want to thank those guys, our sponsors there. And that's about it for that. Um, today we're, we're, we're doing a high water talk, uh, hell or high water talking about fishing run off a little bit and some, some of my techniques, what I like to use. I run through it pretty fast. I apologize for that. I apologize multiple times in there, but I do run through it kind of fast. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate. Shoot me an email. Find me on Instagram, Cameron.Rhodes on Instagram. Um, the podcast now is an Instagram page. It's just The Guided Trip. Um, and then my email is theguidedtrip at gmail.com. I want to thank everybody for the emails I have received and uh, everyone, you know, give me some support on Instagram and, and I appreciate that. So this is The Guided Trip with Cameron Rhodes. Check it out. Episode 9, High Water. here we go. Um, today we're going to be focusing on high water, high water, muddy water. Um, we're almost here to runoff in Colorado. I'm sure there's places around the United States that are in runoff as well. So it seems about right for us to talk about high water situations. And like I said, off color, off color situations, muddy water. Um, here in Colorado, I'm not sure where most people are listening from, but here in Colorado, um, we're, we don't have big water year this year. Um, we don't have a lot of snowpack, so it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen fast. Um, but we might as well talk about it, you know, for, for future years, um, and just kind of go over it and how I like to do it. Um, I do, I, I don't mind high water too much, you know, definitely there's a fine line, you know, when it's going up to 5,000 CFS or so, you're kind of like, eh, it's going to be tough. Um, but you know, definitely between that, 3,000, 3,800, 4,000 range, it's still, it still is very fishable. Um, and a lot of people will look at it and go, no, there's no, there's no way, dude. You know, I mean, it's chocolate milk right now. Well, it is, but you know, as everybody says, fish got to eat. Um, and there's a couple different ways to go about it. We're going to talk about that, but high water definitely can bring some great opportunities for fishing. And the way I look at it, you know, because it is high water, we can kind of pinpoint those locations where those fish are going to hide. Um, obviously, they're going to be in slack water, a little bit slower water, along the seams, um, definitely in eddies, and along the banks. They're going to be holding tight because they're looking for that clarity, and they're you know they they feel more confident with that off color water for sure. And when that higher higher water comes up, they still need to be able to eat. They need to be put themselves in situations to eat. So we can kind of look at those at those areas, you know, that are still fishy and go, okay, I know exactly where these fish have to be. They're not necessarily going to be in the middle of the run in the fastest water you can find, you know, where you might find them at 500 CFS. Um, Obviously, that should make sense to most people. Um, So we can kind of target areas and do it a little bit easier than most people think. Um, So we already said what everybody says all the time, fish have to eat. They do. So What's the best way to go about it? Um, you know, I like to nymph. Um, I'm a, I'm a nymph fisherman. Yeah, yeah that's what I do. Um, I drown a bobber all day for the most part when I have to. Um, but in high water, it's pretty tough. I mean, you're not going to be throwing a hopper dropper for the most part. You know, you're not going to be throwing dry flies for the most part. You know, there's definitely situations where you can. When people think of high, muddy water, off-color water, immediately they go to streamer fishing. Oh, streamer fishing's got to be insane. 
Uh, it can be, you know, there's definitely opportunities for it. Um, I haven't had the best luck doing it. Um, maybe it's just because I, you know, I haven't practiced it in high water as much as everybody else. Um, so I, I usually stick to nymphing occasionally. Yes. I'll throw a streamer, you know, and, and put it in different situations or different areas. Um, but I've, I like to, you know, there's just something about picking some wild bugs and having some fish eat them, you know, whether it's purple, whether it's stoneflies or worms, you know, I understand it's still a worm, but, um, there's going to be lots of bugs in the water. So nymphing is definitely a good bet. You know, with all that water moving down, it's obviously going to push a ton of bugs. You know, around here in the Gunnison Valley, we see a ton of stones, ton of, ton, uh, excuse me, ton of worms, um, lots of caddis during this time of year. You know, obviously we're going to have hatching caddis, but the fish can't necessarily see it to rise to it. And it's kind of interesting. You know, we do have, we have a massive caddis, caddis hatch here, you know, during runoff at times. Um, and it's huge, but the fish just aren't rising, but they still will eat, you know, those attractor caddis nymphs. Um, so keep that, keep that in mind a little bit. Um, so there's going to be tons of bugs in the water. Uh, the way I like to go about it, if I'm nymphing, obviously I'm, I'm going to, uh, first bug I'm going to throw is maybe a size eight or size six stonefly. Uh, Pat's rubber legs is my favorite. And then be- behind that, I'm going to tie that in as my point fly. Um, and I, I usually do a non-slip loop on that, just to give it a little bit more action and it's a little bit stronger. Uh, I'll, I'll go over this a little bit more in depth too. And then I'm going to go to something like a worm or, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it, but trip saver fly is a great one. It's a lot like a rubber legs, just a little bit more. Um, it's more of a caddis kind of, you know, pupa type bug, but it's got some good flash to it. Some nice dubbing in there. Um, so I'm obviously going to use, you know, flashier bugs, bigger bugs, because we need, we need the fish to see them. We want them to be eating our bugs and not whatever else is coming down. Um, so when you go to pick bugs for high water fishing, definitely think about that a little bit and play around, you know, sometimes I'll throw, you know, maybe a purple 20 inch or purple, uh, prince nymph or, you know, just something different. And I change up my worms a lot too. And I'm going to, I'm going to go into that here. Um, kind of what I like to use, but I know you're dredging bottom with a bobber and you're throwing worms. You are. Um, but it's, it can be very effective during high water. I've had some great days out there where, you know, you're catching 50, 60 fish and, you know, 3,800 CFS. And you're going, whoa, this is insane. You know, I don't understand why this is happening. Well, if you pick the right area and you have the right bugs on, you can still find fish in any water. Um, you know, they're still going to be there. Just because the water's off color doesn't mean it's, it might not be ideal conditions for it but they'll be there and you can find them. So we're going to go into more depth of how to find them um, and explain what I mean, you know, how I'm, how I'm rigging up and where I'm fishing and, and, and what, what are the best ways to go about it, the way I go about it. Um, And we're going to, we're going to step right into it here. Um, So obviously I already brought up, I'm going to be nymphing. Um, There's a ton of streamer junkies out there that are going to be, oh, well, that's, you know, that's bullshit. Why, why the hell would you be nymphing? Well, you know, that's the way I like to do it. Um, I I don't need to wear out my arm on, you know, 10,000 casts and maybe see one turn of a fish. When I streamer fish, I like to be able to see the fish um, and not just, you know, cast out hope and pray. Um, So if I'm streamer fishing, obviously I'm looking for that take and I, I want to be able to see that fish and be able to manipulate that streamer differently where a fish is going to be able to take it. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I, I stick to the nymphing for the most part. 
And what I'm going to do is I usually, if it, depending on CFS, obviously and kind of clarity, but most of the time I'm going to, I'm going to build my own leader and kind of taper down, you know, maybe to a two X or a three X for my first fly. Obviously you're not worried about, you know, the fish seeing your line, if it's muddy water or dirty water or fast, you're not too worried about it much. I'm more worried about, you know, having an expensive day and, you know, losing two dozen flies or having a, a cheaper day where I lose a couple flies. So I'll go two or three X to that first fly. And then I'm going to taper down, um, to my next fly, you know, depending how I went, you know, if I've, I have two X to my point fly, I'm going to go three X to my next fly. If I have three X to my point fly, I'm going four X to my next fly. Um, so it just depends on kind of how much crap is in the water and how, what the clarity is like. And if you know, you know, there's a lot of snags in there, which usually during high water, there are going to be a lot of snags and a lot of debris and you can't see where you're fishing. You know, you're just kind of hoping you, you pick the right line and that there's not a big bush sitting down there that just grabs flies all day. Um, so two X, you know, with that non-slip loop is going to be a very effective effective method for that point fly or even 3x you know depending on what you like to fish um and then i'm obviously i'm going to tie my biggest bug up top um like i said it's usually going to be a pat's rubber legs to start a black or brindle um and either six or eight you know i'm going pretty big on this on this point fly and then i'm going to go drop it down to you know maybe 18 inches to my next fly which i said usually to start is going to be a worm um some of my favorite worm patterns, um, you know, the G-string worm or the sparkle worm, um, where it's got that, that sparkle chenille on it, um, with a tungsten bead or something just to bring it down even more is an awesome pattern. I also fish a get down worm. I'm not sure if anybody's heard of that. Basically it's, um, it's almost like a snell hook, but it's wrapped with, um, red wire or pink wire or maroon wire. And then you can just put that little heart in there with some thread. I believe Umpqua, um, Umpqua used to sell them. I'm not sure anymore. I'm, I'm, I haven't really looked too much into it. Um, but I, I just tie my own and I, I, you can buy different hooks. And if you guys have a question about it, well, you feel free to email me or look up, you know, Umpqua get down worm. I think they're still making it, but you can kind of get the hook style and then you can go from there. Um, and I tie those in a couple different ways. I'll do them with thread or I'll do them with that wire. And that's where that get down comes in it just it helps it drop just a little bit more it's pretty aerodynamic and slices through the water and that's why they call it that get down worm it just drops to the bottom immediately um, and that's a great bet for your you know it, it can't even be a point fly depending on how big you're going and I've seen you know I've seen some pretty big get down hooks out there that they still work and they catch fish you know just be careful about the ethical side of it you know if you're ripping faces off you know that's the tough part about those get down worms those hooks are completely different um and so i've kind of tied them in different ways where i'll i'll pinch the barb and maybe tie a little trailer hitch on the end with some monofilament and that way i can tie to that and i'm i'm trying to cut down that impact of hurting those fish or you know ripping them up too much um so definitely think about that when you look into the get down worm it's it's a it's a raunchy fly for sure, but it, it does do work. Um, and, you know, and then I'm going to go to weights. And I usually like to start with, you know, maybe two ABs about same distance, you know, about 18 inches above that first fly. I'll start two ABs and go from there and kind of decide. Um, it's going to be a heavy rig, and we're going to go over that here in a minute. But 
it'll definitely be a heavy rig. You're looking to get down, you know, as quick as you can and put it, and you have real turbulent water, so you want to get that that nymphic down as quick as you possibly can. So that's why it's going to be so heavy. And it can be tough to fish at time. You might have to take a little bit of weight off or adjust those flies a little bit, maybe adjust that point fly if it's if it's too heavy or maybe tie them without as much lead or, you know, however you tie them without as much weight in there. Um, and just play with it. It definitely takes a minute because it can be pretty heavy to throw. Um, so play with that weight, figure it out a little bit. Um, indicator is, you know, this is a strange world that when we get into talking about indicators, yes, I understand it's a bobber. Um, but I'm still going to call it an indicator. Just, um, that's just how I talk. <laughs> um, but I, I like to use a large thing, my bobber. Um, and I know that sounds weird or people are going, Oh man, he throws a beach ball, you know? And I get that all the time. I get shit from everybody. I get shit from guides. I get shit from clients. I get shit from buddies. It doesn't matter. Um, but when I explain to you why, I use the large indicator and how I fish it and maybe even seeing me fish it at times people understand and they get it. And I actually learned this from a buddy of mine too, you know, where it's like when you have this high turbulent water, why, why go to a smaller indicator? You know, because what's going to happen is that turbulent water can pull down that, you know, that medium indicator, that medium thingamabobber pretty fast. And, you know, you're setting the hook a lot going, oh, I don't know, it just keeps going under, you know, it just keeps pulling under, especially with a heavier rig. It's going to pull it under a lot, and you're going to get a lot of false hits. You're going to be setting the hook a lot. And I don't think you have as much control over those flies. Um, You know, and that kind of depends on CFS as well, you know, and that's cubic feet per second, you know, the flow of the river. It'll definitely depend on that, you know. I know there's a fine line. It's hard for me to just put it on paper or put in words for you go, hey, yeah, this is the exact time to switch from a large to a medium. I, I can't tell you that. Um, you know, that's just one of those things where you're going to have to experiment a little bit with it, um, how you like to throw it. And definitely, you know, by any means, if you want to throw the medium indicator all day, go for it. No, not a problem. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there and go, what the hell are these guys doing? You know, they're not listening. That's not the point of this. The point of this is just to tell you how I like to do it um, and give you a little bit of an idea about it. So I throw that big that big indicator um, or large thing, my bobber. And it helps. Um, it's easier casting with that big rig. Um, and you can see the indicator, you know, and you know when it's going to go down, you have some confidence in it. You can go, oh, I know that's either, you know, I know that's not current pulling it down. That's either bottom or that's a stick or it's a fish. You know, you, you're going to have confidence every time that that larger indicator goes down. Something's going on down there. It's not just current, you know, it's not just a weird eddy. It's not just a weird, weird swirl or, you know, it's it's going to be something. Um, so keep that in mind. And, you know, I know people are against it. Like I said, I get shit all the time for it. Oh, throwing a beach ball again. Yep, sure am. But, you know, it works. It works for me. It doesn't have to work for everybody, but it works for me. So that's why I like using it. And I've turned a lot of people onto that larger indicator style where it's like, hey, you know, why Why not? You know, especially at times too, where it's like, why throw white? Why throw a white indicator? You know, it's muddy. Water's muddy. Throw pink. You know, throw orange. Throw something you can see. Don't sit there and go, well, I can't see it. I, you know, the sun caught it. I, I don't know where it's at. Don't throw white. What are you doing? You know, throw something that you can see. There's no point in doing it if you can't see it. It's a lot with, you know, like dry fly fishing as well. You know, if people can't see it, what's the point? You know, there's no point. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, it's it's 
it's kind of common sense in my head, you know, why the hell wouldn't you want a larger indicator, especially during ter- high water, you know, it's, I, I don't know. What do I, what the hell do I know? Um, but that's, that's what I like to do. So I'm going to pick that larger indicator. Um, and I'm going to adjust it. You know, I have an idea in my head. It's one of those things too, where, like I said, I can't put it quite on paper and I can't put it quite in words, but I have it in my head, you know, how deep I want to go. And I, you know, depending on the weight, I might go, you know, six to seven feet, you know, to my first fly or something like that with that large indicator and just kind of see how, how that casts for me. Um, if it's a client or, you know, somebody who hasn't fished that much, then I'll, I'll change it up for them definitely. Um, and throw less weight and start there and put them in a different situation, but I know how I can fish, um. And so I'll work on it a little bit, but I go, okay, I can cast this or no, there's no way I can cast this. Um, if you have a six weight, that's a great option for this rig as well. Five weight, you can do it. It's just, it's cutting it close. Um, I do have a 10 foot five weight that I like to fish, um, during high water and it, it helps cast a lot. You know, it can throw, it's just a little bit stiffer. Um, it has a little bit more backbone on it. You can throw those heavier bugs and throw those heavier rigs and a little bit further and get out there with that extra foot of rod. Um, so think about that a little bit, you know, obviously I'm not going to say like, Oh yeah, rig this up on your five weight. And then you snap your five weight and you're going, Cameron, what the hell dude? You know, you told me to rig it up on your five weight or on my five weight. So be warned. Um, you know, it is, it's definitely a heavy rig. Um, practice, you know, practice some good mechanics with that rig, you know, take it, nice and easy, nice and slow to start. Uh, I tell a lot of people with nymph rigs, you know, exaggerate your casts a little bit. You know, it's not quite that, you know, we're not coming all the way back and making a big pause and doing a big overhand cast. You know, if I'm doing that overhand cast, I almost windmill that overhand cast, you know, and exaggerate it a lot. And it's one fluid motion um, and I can shoot it out there. You know, I stick with the roll, roll cast a lot too. Um, because once you get into this whole realm of all this weight and these heavy bugs and you get a long leader and a big indicator, you know, and you're trying to make these back casts, it's going to be tough. And you're going to get yourself in a lot of situations where you're tangled or you're going to smoke yourself in the back of the head. And if you've ever done that, you can definitely shed a tear doing it. Um, I've hit myself in the back of the head with numerous flies and have definitely shed a tear. But if you listen to my last podcast with Ryan, you guys know I do cry a lot. So, um, that'll happen, but don't rush it, you know, take it easy and just get used to it at first. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, and like I said, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me. I'll try and get you as many pictures as I can and let you know how I rig it. I like doing it this way. I do think it is a very effective way to go about it. And like I said, I've, I've had some great days during high water. Um, obviously, I do know the water around here a little bit more than other places just because I'm out here every day fishing. But, you know, that comes with a little bit of time. But this, the, the way that I, I fish this, it, it works. It works. It works pretty well for high water. And I've had days where it's like, yeah, you just you blow them up. And it's amazing. You're going, how am I doing this? You know, it's muddy water. I don't understand. Well, it's pretty simple if you think about it. You know, the fish are still going to be there. Um, they're still, they still got to eat. So just break everything down a little bit, you know, think about it a little bit harder. Um, you know, if you know an area and you go, yeah, that's a fishy spot. Those fish are probably going to be there still, but you're just going to have to fish to them a little bit differently. So think about it, break everything down just a little bit more. Um, 
And like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on fishing slack water, uh, big seams, you know, where seams are coming into the bank or eddy lines and just even along those banks at times, you know, I'll fish real tight to the bank. And what I like to do, um, I, because this water can be so turbulent and tough to fish, I, I high stake a lot. I do a lot of high staking. That's where I was saying that 10 foot five comes in handy, but you can do it, you know, with a nine foot five or a nine foot six. But I do a lot of high sticking and just keeping that line up off the water because what will happen is, you know, obviously that, that turbulent water is going to pull that fly line down and it's going to end up pulling your indicator down and then you're going to be getting those false hits and you're going to be going, I don't understand what's going on. So high sticking helps a lot. And then the next thing I like to do, I talked about it, uh, I believe in my winter nymphing podcast, I talked about it some, but I do a lot of tight line nymphing during this time. What this does is, again, because that water's turbulent, um, and what I mean by tight line nymphing is I'm, I'm obviously going to be high sticking it a little bit and I'm going to be pulling those flies just a tad. I'm leaving that, I'm keeping that indicator below my flies, downstream of my flies. Um, no matter if I'm fishing an eddy or a back eddy or something like that, it's always going to be downstream of my flies, um, and which, which way the water is going. And I'm going to pull that indicator a little bit and keep those flies. I can feel those flies. You know, I can even, sometimes I can even feel them bouncing on bottom. It's a lot like, you know, Euro nymphing or whatever, but I'm just tight lining it and just pulling those flies along. Um, I'm not really focusing too much on my presentation and looking for that drag free natural drift, you know, because this water is muddy. They're looking for anything coming by, you know, if they see a bug coming by and I mean, they're not focused on it. They don't know what the, what the current should be doing at that certain point in time and go, Whoa, that looks weird, man. I'm not going to eat that. No, they're still going to eat it. Um, obviously if you're just ripping it by them, they're probably not going to eat it, but I just barely, you know, slowly pull it along and just keep, keep those flies in check. And that'll help you too with hooking up on bottom, setting the hook too hard on sticks or rocks or stumps or, you know, anything like that, because you can kind of feel those flies just tad and pull them. And every now and then I'll just pull it a little bit harder. And what it'll do is it'll pick those flies up from the bottom and keep them just barely off the bottom. Every time I think they're going to be on bottom, I pick it up and pull it just a little bit more. And that, that just pulls them off the bottom. So I'm not constantly hooking up. I'm not constantly hooking my flies, like I said, on rocks, stumps, sticks, or anything like that. Obviously it's going to happen, but it helps to do that. That way, yeah, you don't have an expensive day. And those days, obviously during these times, you know, during high water, I've, I've done a lot of trips, a lot of floating, a lot of fishing with buddies during high water. Most of the time, they're expensive days. You just got to kind of, kind of come to realize that you're going to lose flies. You can't see what's going on. So you're just, you know, you're throwing flies a shot in the dark going, hey, hope nothing's there but a fish, you know, hope there's not a big stump. So also that's why I fish that 2X and that 3X, you know, sometimes a 4 Um and so work on, you know, tight lining a little bit and just pulling it along. Like I said, you get just a little bit more feeling on those nymphs. All right. So I knew I kind of, I know I kind of flew through that, but um, like I said, feel free to email me a little bit. And if you have any questions, I, I tend to talk really fast too when I get into it and start kind of on a, on a roll there. So I apologize for that. Um, so I'm sure you're kind of thinking too, you know, I'm, Am I walking this? Am I walk waiting? Am I floating this? How am I fishing this? You know, what am I doing? Um, a lot of the times I, I do a lot, I do a lot more walking during high water. There's some reason to that. Um, for one, there's going to be a lot more obstacles in the river during high water and a lot more debris coming down river because I own a raft, you know, obviously I have to think about 
you know, my livelihood. I don't want to be popping a boat during April in high water or May in high water, you know. I need to be able to get to the fishing season and be ready to go because I run mainly float trips during, um, you know, during the summer. So I do a lot of walking. Um, you need a little bit more knowledge, you know, when you're walking, just where you can cross or if you do cross or where you can go. Uh, depending on CFS, you know, crossing is going to be tough. You know, life jacket isn't a bad idea in certain situations. I have done it before in high water and canyon situations where, you know, you pack up your stuff, you know, in a dry bag and you put on your life jacket and you say, all right, I'm going swimming. I don't recommend it. So don't, don't, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm saying that it's not a bad idea. They do make those fishing vests now, you know, that are type five PFDs as well. And they got a lot of pockets, you know, for fishing. So if you're getting into boating or anything like that, it's obviously a great idea. Like I said, I'm not condoning you to do this. It's just not a bad idea to have a life jacket. Um, it, they, they do save lives. Um, I mean, that's what they're for. So think about that if you do plan on crossing. Again, I don't recommend it. Um, I'd say don't do it, actually. Don't do it. Um, but local knowledge, you're going to need a little bit more. Definitely call fly shops, you know, call call guides if you know guides, call guide shops, ask them how the river is, ask them if there's anything you should be worried about. You know, there's tons of stuff online where you can look up flows of the river. USGS has a great site where you can um, search the flows of the river, see how high it is, see how, you know, how fast it's gone up or see if it's dropping. So try and gather as much knowledge as possible before going out. Like I said, because I know my area so well, I do know certain areas where I'm going to go and fish, and I know places that do hold water during high water and that are going to fish better than others. But that's just because I have some local knowledge about it. So if you're coming up here, again, yeah, d- don't hesitate. Email me. I'll, I'll set you up with some good areas. Um, obviously, I'm not going to give you all the secrets. you got to pay for that. But I do tons of walking. And so we're, like I said, we're focusing on these slack, on slack water, on seams, on eddy lines along the banks. So search for places like that. As I said earlier too, if you know of fishy areas, you know, you go, Hey, this is usually a great hole. You know, I fish it all the time. It's probably still going to have fish in it, but you're just going to have to fish it a little bit differently. Um, so walk waiting is a good bet and you can spend a lot of time in one area, you know, just kind of working certain seams and playing around and getting used to your rig and ch- checking out different flies. So walking is probably one of the best options, you know, depending on where you can go and what river you're fishing. Um, that's kind of up to you, whether, you know, how you want to take care of it. Um, and then, you know, as the water drops a little bit, I do get into more floating, and I do love floating during high water, but I use the boat more of just a mode of transportation. Um, I'm going to use that boat just to get me from spot to spot that I can't walk wade, you know, where I go, oh, I can't cross there. You know, there's no way I can get to this hole. I'm going to use the boat for that. So I'm going to use the boat to motor down river, find the hole I'm looking for, anchor up or park the boat on a rock or on the bank, and then I'll kind of get out and fish it or fish it from the boat. I'm kind of stingy when it comes to the boat, so I like to stay in it and just set the boat up where I need to go. Um, So use the boat as a mode of transportation. Obviously, again, make sure everything is going to be safe. You know, make sure you can clear certain bridges. You know, make sure the water's not too high where you can, where you can't get under the bridges. Um, ask about obstacles, ask about debris, ask about strainers, ask about a strainer is basically a tree in the water that, you know, water goes through and humans don't. Um, 
So, you know, call local fly shops, call, call local rafting companies. If you are going to float, make sure you're going to be safe. Um, with the influx of water, like I said, it's going to be influx of debris and sticks and trees moving downstream. Um, so I, I like to wait a little bit before I get jump into the boat and go, hell yeah, here we go. Time to float. I, I'll, I'll wait until I know that, you know, most of the runoff is kind of gone. Um, and it's, it's a quick float, you know, with the water that high, it, it can be very quick floating. So, you know, like I said, I use the boat just as a mode of transportation. All right, I'm going to this hole. Boom, I'm going to anchor up. I'm going to fish this seam line. I'm going to fish it real close to the boat. Don't be scared. Those fish aren't scared of the boat. They can't see you. You know, unless you're banging a bunch of rocks coming in or something like that, you know, most of the time they're not too worried about it. Um, same with that boat, you know, always rig it to flip. We're going to talk about that in another podcast, but um, rig to flip, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So make sure everything's bat down, you know, make sure everything's tied down. All your bags are intact, all your rods are intact on the boat, and they're not going anywhere. Because high water, you know, if you do get in a sticky situation, you do flip a boat and lose all your gear, you're going to be a lot more bombed. Um, so we'll talk about that in another podcast. But um, use that boat. Uh, you know, use it to get to certain areas. It's going to be a great tool. If you have if you have a boat or have access to a boat or, you know, you know a buddy who has a boat and can row it well, you know, use it. Uh, it, it can be good, but like I said, you know, don't, don't put yourself in unsafe situations. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just saying that it can be used. Um, the boat can be a great tool, especially during, you know, a little bit of higher water and being able to get to areas. Um, and, and you're fishing for the same stuff. You know, you're going to, you're going to fish along those eddy lines, along the seams. I don't really fish, you know, as I'm going down, I'm not like, hey, we need to hit this bank, you know, I'll, I'll back row real hard for you and we're, let's work this. You know, it's more like, hey, you know, it's going to be tough to hit on the go. You know, we're moving so fast, so let's just, you know, let's crack open a beer, hang out till we get to the hole, and then let's start fishing. Uh, so think about it that way, you know, and you don't have to fish the whole way. I tell a lot of clients that too, you know, like, hey, we're, you know, Let's save our opportunities. You know, let's pick our battles. We don't want to be re-rigging, you know, when we're coming up on a good hole. We don't want to show up to a hole and be like, all right, let's spend, you know, 20 minutes re-rigging both these rods because we snapped off on, you know, something I told you not to do. So think about that. You know, save your opportunities. Set, set yourself up to succeed. I set my clients up to succeed. I set my buddies up as much as possible. You know, hey, we don't need to fish this right now. You know, let's let's wait till we get to a spot. Um and that's, that's great during high water. Like I said, you can't see anything under there if it's muddy. So don't be, you know, throwing bugs away for no reason. You're just wasting your money. You're wasting bugs or your buddy's money, whoever, um, or clients. I'm, I'm not sure who you're fishing with or if you are fishing with anybody. But think about that a little bit before you jump on a boat and just start throwing flies willy-nilly around, you know. Um, they, are, they can get expensive and it does add up. If you have disposable income, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. I don't. So I can't do that. Um, I got to tie my own bugs. So obviously it's going to cost me money. Um, we covered a lot just now. Like I said, I talked really fast about it. I apologize for that, but, um, high water fishing can be awesome. Um, just think about it differently and fish it differently. But you can catch a lot of fish. If you're going to go streamer fishing, you know, I didn't get into streamer fishing too much. Um, like I said, I'm just, maybe it's me. I'm not very honed on it during high water. I don't know. 
Um, but I don't do it too much. If you're going to look into it, there's tons of articles online about it. Every time this year, you know, people are always throwing high water um, articles together in magazines, fishing magazines, and on the web. So they're going to be talking about streamers as well. Uh, there's tons of info on it online. I'm not the guy to give it to you and tell you the best tactics for it. But if you want to know a little bit about high water nymphing, I got you. So don't hesitate. Shoot me an email. Theguidedtrip at gmail.com. Uh, my Instagram is cam.roads. Um, that's my handle. But we also have the guided trip now on Instagram. Uh, I'm, some of you follow, some of you don't. That's awesome. I want to take some time. Thank everybody for listening. Uh, I know I was gone for a little while, but I'm back. And we're, we're going to hit it hard here, hopefully. And uh, I've, I definitely appreciate all the emails I've gotten, all the responses I've gotten. Um, I need to respond to a couple of emails, but I've been trying to get back to everybody as quick as possible. So I want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in. Um, we're doing all right. Uh, it's, it's been a good time. So thanks again, guys. Um, you can find this on Spotify, CastBox. If you're already listening, you already know. Uh, if you're new to listen, there's a couple different ways you can find it. I usually post it on my Instagram. Don't hesitate to email me as well don't forget to follow us on instagram facebook uh we don't have a facebook yet actually i don't know if i will do one we'll figure it out um again appreciate it thanks guys and here's sam and jenny taking us out again